Thanks for tuning in to your 9am. Here's the deal. Many of the uncomfortable situations that people go through at work are dealt with behind closed doors or never addressed at all. We think this is a problem primarily because we can't fix what we don't know. Adam and I don't have all the answers, but on this podcast, we share and discuss anonymous stories from every angle to help you deal with them when they come up where you work. Today, we're actually joined by our friend, Emily Grove. Emily, do you want to kind of just say a few words about yourself before we start? I'm Emily, and I'm a labor and employment attorney um, practicing in Washington State. Um, I represent individuals who faced or are facing um, situations at work, such as discrimination, harassment, or wage theft. Awesome. We're so excited to have your perspective today, Anne. So let's get right down to it. Uh, So I'm going to read today's story just so everyone kind of has the context. So I hired into a male-dominated department as a very underqualified female, which set me up for disaster. I worked my hardest and made a name for myself. Everyone knew I was willing to work hard and learn, and I gained a lot of respect. When the manager stepped down, they hired a male to replace him, one arguably less qualified than me. When he didn't work out after a year, they fired him and promoted me. While I was happy to be recognized, I had a lot of clapback from other employees who didn't think a woman was qualified for the position. As such, they started to sabotage me and purposely try to undermine me. When I approached management, they didn't believe me. And I decided that if I didn't have their trust and faith and cooperation, I wasn't going to make it as a manager. It was a hard enough position and one where I was disadvantaged. I really needed all the people on my side that I could get. Just to start it off, I'll, I'll throw this out there. What are you all's initial impressions of this story? Um, yeah, like, so for me, uh, several thoughts come to mind when I hear this story. Um, you know, first I think about just generally kind of inequalities in um, like the application and hiring processes and promotion processes, I guess. Um, okay. And then second, I think um, kind of broadly that, you know, it seems like society is kind of uncomfortable with um, success for women um, and kind of like it's, it's okay as long as it fits into kind of like a narrow idea of success for women. Um, and then I guess like the third thing that I think about is um, that we just, we have kind of this like narrative in society that things like pay and promotions are super private. And I think like we're encouraged to stay quiet about them um, and like that it's not taboo to, or that it is taboo um, to talk about these things with our coworkers. And I think that narrative is, you know, kind of dangerous um, and allows inequalities to persist. Um, so those are just like my initial thoughts. Yeah, I think that's such a great place to start. I had similar thoughts around the sort of like the the culture of not talking about promotions and pay and things. And it is it's such a delicate thing to I think we could probably spend like days even just talking about that topic in particular. And I one of the things that came up for me as well was around the lack of support for this individual that they felt from their teammates after getting promoted into this position. So I I feel like when you're already feeling like you're coming from behind and you're promoted into a leadership position and you don't feel like you have that support from the people that are around you, uh, that's such a difficult place to be. And I, I, I think, you know, 
combating like imposter syndrome while also trying to do your best work and trying to continue to like make a name for yourself in your industry is so challenging. But I want to hear more from Emily. Too, yeah. And, you know, especially like the, the, the dangers of not talking about promotions and wages and things. And like, what do you see there as like being sort of the primary danger? In the U.S., we have this law um, that's called the National Labor Relations Act. Um, and it came to be as a response um, to the establishment of unions. Um, and it basically provides like these really important rights to workers um, who are unionized, but also workers who aren't. Um, and basically, it, like this idea, um, this law recognizes that employees are more powerful when they work together. Um, and that unity is a tool for change. Um, and it's a tool that can be used um, to kind of like create equality. Um, but, but so basically, um, you know, like the concrete uh, rights that are given to people from this law, um, you know, is the right to try to improve pay or working conditions. Um, and so for this, for that reason, talking about pay um, or promotions or other working conditions are actually protected by law. Mm. And it's just interesting that we kind of have this opposite narrative um, that we shouldn't be talking about pay and we shouldn't be talking about our reviews and our promotions. Those things are, are private. And that narrative is dangerous because it actually, it, it serves to kind of like suppress this fight for you know, better conditions and, um, you know, equal pay um, and equal rights. Um, so, I, I, like, I just think that that's a really good place to start is, um, you know, like, start taking down this taboo and start talking openly about these things with your coworkers. Um, yeah, that's my little uh, soapbox speech about. I love that. That's, that's so, so interesting. interesting. <laughs> Emily, correct me if I'm wrong. This law basically protects yeah. the, our employer from punishing us for having that conversation of Adam then being like, Oh, I make, yep. you know, $75,000 a year. And I'm like, Oh, I make $50,000 a year. Why do you make more than me? We're in the same role. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Adam and I are talking about like, we're both up for a promotion or we're both going for a promotion. And maybe our boss was like, don't tell anybody about this. And then you do tell your coworkers that you're trying for the promotion. The law protects you there as well. Is that yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, kind of. So, like, I mean, the analysis is, like, a little deeper than that. But basically, like, what they try to get at is, like, are these conversations being had out of an attempt to better a workplace or better the conditions that you're working on? So, like, say, for example, like, so talking about promotion practices, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that helps us to prevent, you know, unequal opportunities right so so if we're being asked to keep a promotion hush hush or like the the opening of a position quiet um you know that that is a tool of i mean like not to be dramatic but like a tool of suppression you know um and like um and so basically you know what this law provides is that is that employees or workers people who work together have this opportunity to have open discussions about these things and to be protected from retaliation for doing Got so. It. And this is like general information. It's not really 
you know, like every situation requires an in-depth analysis where it's like a fact-intensive process. Yeah. So this is just definitely more kind of like general information. You know, I also was struck um, by the fact that this individual chose to describe herself as unqualified. Um, yeah. And I just think, you know, it, it really seems like, I, I guess just kind of agreeing with Hannah, like it, it seems like society has really trained us to kind of subconsciously think differently about men advancing in the workplace and then women advancing. Um, you know, I've heard so many stories of men being brought into a new role based on potential right. to fill a role. Well, alternatively, you know, we hear from women that they have to prove that they can already do a role before being paid to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just seems like men are kind of encouraged to reach for roles beyond their current skill set, and they feel okay doing that. Um, you know, while women women are constantly receiving feedback that they should prove that they can already do this before they before they get paid to do it. Yeah. Yeah, what's interesting is that what came up for me kind of overlaps with what you guys are talking about. Uh, the two points that really uh, stuck with me are sort of the role of precedence. Uh, you know, this person had to, to fight with the sort of concept that a person in this particular role looked a certain way. And then the mm-hmm. other one, I, I think, is um, just thinking about being a manager that steps into uh, a team where even if you're on the team before, a, a, a team where you're not actually creating the culture yourself, you're, you're, you're just kind of inheriting all of this legacy stuff, uh, you know, the people, the processes, uh, the culture, the way that the team communicates. And I, I think that's a really tough spot to be in. Um, and so for me, that woman, you know, that, that, that describes herself as underqualified um, really was dealing with a lot of baggage, which is interesting to me because you have a, this feeling of like, Oh, I'm underqualified. And then B um, I also have this sort of, I have this, this, this team that I have inherited that um, is difficult to work with. Uh, And I I think that really sets things up as she says uh, in a very bad way for her. One thing you said, Emily, is, is you talked about the, sort of the first, your first point you made, you talked about sort of the hiring and promotional practices that were at this company. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't, without knowing more specifics about, you know, this story, it's like, I can only comment generally, but, mm-hmm. um, I guess just, you know, kind of based on, you know, some things that, um, you know, I've encountered while like speaking with um, potential clients or clients um, is that, you know, um, the kind of this, this story, this narrative comes up a lot for, for women that I've interviewed um, who are facing similar situations. Um, And it's kind of this, that there's kind of like this, this um, culture of microaggressions um, that kind of discourage women from even applying for promotions as they become available. which is really interesting when you look at it through, you know, like a legal lens of like trying to make a case um, because, Mm. you know, in a failure to promote, um, you know, based on like discrimination case, one of the things that the law asks us to show um, is that the individual applied for the promotion. Mm. And in the alternative, it does allow us to show 
that they were discouraged from applying, but the kinds of evidence that that, that we seek um, to prove that doesn't really take into account, you know, like a company culture or um, small microaggressions in the way that, you know, a manager, a hiring manager might speak about the position or the job or, you know, might indicate, oh, we already have somebody we're considering, you know, like those kinds of things, the law doesn't really take into account. Um, and so, I mean, I, I wasn't really commenting specifically on this, you know, this particular company and their hiring practices. I was just kind of saying that this is something that I see come up a lot, um, you know, when we're talking about kind of like the differential hiring practices um, that men and women see. Let's move on to sort of the, the role-playing exercise. Something that really caught my attention from the story is that the, the person that wrote the story said, when I approached management, they didn't believe me. And I decided that if I didn't have their trust and faith and cooperation, I wasn't going to make it as a manager. I would love to kind of dig into each side of that. Um, so let's actually kind of start with, so we, we've already kind of talked about the way that someone in this position might feel. Let's, let's start right there. I mean, how do you, if you're in this position, how can you go to management? What's, what's a good approach to actually have that conversation uh, and do it in an effective way. I mean, you're to set the stage, you're, you already think you're underqualified. You've been given this position and your team doesn't actually sort of follow you as a leader. Uh, and you, you're skeptical that you have management support. I think whenever approaching this kind of conversation, it's good you know, best practice would be to attempt to have some kind of concrete, you know, examples or, mm -hmm. um, you know, something to kind of like back up what you're saying. Obviously, that's an ideal, you know, it's, I think in practice, it's very challenging to, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, come up with that kind of support. Yeah. Um, but, but let's talk, let's talk like practically, like, what are you saying? Mm. Right. I, I know this is so challenging. I think like, I agree with Emily. Like I'd want to come with some concrete Okay. So evidence. give me an example. So I think, I mean, <laughs> if you're saying, if you're this person saying like people are sabotaging her, yeah. what does that mean? Like, how are they sabotaging you? You know, are they turning around and like spreading false information about you? Are they like not completing projects that they're supposed to be completing? Just willfully ignoring your leadership. I'd want to have like really concrete like experiences to bring to like what this person is calling management, which is probably like HR or like their manager. And I think tactically speaking, I'd want to have it in writing as well. I think that like, you know, to Emily's point about like having the specific examples and then like writing things down. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm putting myself in management's <laughs> position. Um, someone comes to me and says, hey, my team is sabotaging me. I'm not convinced that I would think that you're qualified for your position. You mean because you think so, because the person who's saying this is saying that they're being sabotaged? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, thinking about it from like a leadership perspective, if, if you're not capable of leading your team in a particular direction to accomplish a goal, um, I, I mean, I could easily see how management might think, well, okay, we need to get someone else to run this team. Yeah. 
But I think that that needs to be the the last, like, I think people need to, if they're going to be effective, you know, leaders. So talking about management above this, this manager, this is like, if these are the people that you're coming to about your problem, I think mm-hmm. the last, we have to train ourselves that, that the last resort is to think, oh, you're unqualified for the position. It, I think it's more of a reflection of a failure on the company to support the manage the new manager in, in her position mm-hmm. if she doesn't feel that she has all the tools to be a successful leader. So I think the first, I think the first thing would be to look and see, you know, and, and maybe this is part of the communication, you know, from the new managers to say like, hey, I need help finding tools, you know, to help me successfully lead my, my team. You know, like I'm, I'm facing these problems. I'm feeling sabotaged. Here's some examples of what I'm, you know, experiencing. And then also, can you help me identify some tools that can help, you know, like that can help me with this situation? Yeah, I agree. If I were um, a new manager, especially, I already felt this way. And, and I somehow were to talk to management, I would probably avoid any sort of mention of how I don't have any control over my team. I, I don't know. I mean, that's personally got it, got just it, got it. me. So you wouldn't want to expose because I think it would. Control. Yeah, I think it would make me of. look. I mean, I you know I've been a new manager. You want to kind of. I mean, it, this is silly, but like you want to, you want to at least give the appearance that you know what you're doing. Obviously, you have no idea what you're doing, and I think that kind of what you two are offering, at least in my perspective, is something that a more senior, someone that's been a manager for a long time might, the the way that they might approach it. Uh, I think that, you know, someone that feels comfortable Mm. at least failing. And and I think that's sort of dependent on being in a culture where failing is sort of expected and acceptable. Mm. You know, we are not um, punished for failing. Uh, and so I would be, I mean, just putting myself in this person's shoes, I would feel really uncomfortable talking to management and telling them that I have zero control over my team. So maybe the conversation is not necessarily, and this is just my perspective, but maybe the conversation isn't like, I'm getting sabotaged here are all the ways. Maybe it's like, maybe it has something to do with uh, the fact that the team isn't hitting these numbers. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, like, I what do you even talk about at that point? I'm not sure. But I, I don't think that I, I see would... your point, though. Like, it, yeah. If you're, if you're already insecure. But I think that I like what Emily said, though, because that's the problem. Like, if you're insecure it's... and you don't feel like you can get the support you need, yeah. then that's a huge problem. I think Emily's on the money. I mean, I, I think... Emily for president. I think... I think... <laughs> I, I'd vote. I think logically... I think thanks y'all. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I agree with Emily kind of like in hindsight from where I am now. Uh everything is logical there. Um but I think that's still a tough conversation to have. I, so, I don't think it's I, I don't think we disagree yeah. that it's a tough conversation. I think you have to so, own up to your faults or but that's your not lack your of fault. control. Yeah, I mean that's not your fault. So where do you go? And right. especially if the culture cuz you know and, and Emily said this too, this is a failure on the company's part, mm-hmm. but the culture is sort of. It seems really unsupport. Yeah. Unsupportive. Obviously knowing nothing about this company or where this person was, but it does seem like what the story entails. Was, yeah. At least for this person's experience, it was really unsupportive. Yeah. And so to me, if it's an unsupportive culture and you go and tell management, Hey, I'm not being supportive. Mm. 
they, you know, especially after they canned another boss right before you, because, you know, it, it didn't work out for what I, I mean, I'm reading into the story a little yeah. bit, but um, I, I'm just wondering what you can say that wouldn't kind of like sabotage yourself. You know, everyone else is sabotaging you. You need someone to like put you up on a pedestal. Yeah. Almost. Or, you know, you need to do that yourself. But I'm wondering how you could do that to get the results that you want. I don't think you're going to get the help that you actually need if you're not being honest. That's the problem. This is sort of a a catch-22. I think there's a few things missing, like that make that make this challenging to like formulate a solid response. One is that I, we don't know, you know, the the exact kind of work that's being done. We don't know the exact culture of the company, and I think all of those things are incredibly relevant into how you are able to kind of formulate this interaction. Um, but I think that like one solid thing is that like the mode of communication is incredibly important, um, and you know, doing something in writing. Right. Um, allow you know definitely allows you to kind of like tweak the language and like you know have the right tone um, and play with that tone before you actually have that interaction Um, and so I think like you know without knowing more like that would just be I think a solid tool for success um, rather than being able to like I don't know like dictate exactly how somebody could have this conversation Um, yeah no that makes perfect sense I think that's a really good takeaway in general yeah Okay, so it seems like we're all sort of stumped as to how you, what you actually say in a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you really want to put yourself out there and you know potentially look like um, Just you don't have control, vulnerable. which is but I accurate. Think that's the thing. That's accurate. I, I would say that that's what you should do. Yeah. I think you should be vulnerable. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I mean, I guess when you take into account that you know this individual ended up leaving mm-hmm. the, the company anyway you know so like if you're at a point where that's an option for you I, I just kind of think like you're doing you're, you're you're giving yourself the best chance if you f- can find a way to be completely honest about what you're experiencing yeah. and you know best best case scenario you get some tools that can actually help you be successful in the position worst case scenario you you proceed with it it seems like something that was already kind of on the table like I'm at this last resort you know um yeah I agree because if you're if you're not being honest and you're not being vulnerable then you're not going to gain anything from it and then when you do eventually move on you haven't learned anything yeah okay well let's mix it up a little bit tell me what you do if you're this this new manager Mm -hmm. and you're in this position what are you telling your team Oh man. How do you deal with your team? You know, what can you actually do on your own? I want to hear Emily's opinion. <laughs> Adam, kick a pass. Emily's going to pass the hot potato back to you. <laughs> no, I'm curious. I, I want to hear you guys' opinions too. No, I think um, you should start, Adam. Should I start? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't actually have a great answer, but what I would do is probably try to make it clear to my team that if, that these are my expectations, you know, upfront. I think that a lot of people that kind of inherit teams um, don't really reset the rules and their values and their expectations. And so one thing that I will say is that right up front, I would be like, Hey, look, you know, 
you know, Bob is no longer the manager here. I'm the manager. Here are my expectations. You know, if my expectations aren't met, then we're going to have a problem. Honestly, I mean, I think you come at it with power and then actually follow through with what you're doing. So if you say you're going to have a weekly meeting, have the weekly meeting. If you say this is what's going to be talked about in the meeting, you know, talk about it. What do you do if you come into a position where you know that the people don't think you're qualified because of something that has nothing to do with your experience? It's because you're a woman or because you're, you know, XYZ race or whatever it is. Like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. I mean, are you asking just me or do you want to throw it to Emily? And I mean, I, yeah, either way. Well, well, I mean, like, and I just think it's interesting that that's what you were saying, because that's exactly kind of where my thought process was too, was like, you know, let's assume like that, that this, this individual who experienced this, like, what if she already did all of right. these things? Yeah. Like, what if these were things she was doing and she was, and still facing, you know, um, the, these attitudes yeah. or this, this um, like kind of perception that she was unqualified or, um, and I think like, I honestly think it just goes back to this idea that, that society is so uncomfortable with the idea of, you know, a woman in power. And when you look, when you look at, you know, the details of the story that she was in a male dominated environment Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, and now all of a sudden, like she, she's been promoted from, you know, kind of being maybe like equivalent with some of these people or equal with some of these people. And now they're being asked to, you know, I I guess like be in a position of, of, I don't know, like deference Mm -hmm. um, to her. And I, so I just, I feel like to not, to not like recognize um, mm-hmm. like exactly how important those dynamics are in this situation. Um, like, I just think it's really important to recognize that. I think part of that, then, like you asked, like, what do you do as this manager to confront some of these things? And aside from that, I think you actually have to confront these people's biases. Yeah. I think you like call it out. Yeah. And you well, say, you know, yeah, like, I mean, like, and, and if you, there are like, sounds like there were specific examples of like the sabotage or of like the, you know, maybe there's like some insubordination, things like that. I think you take people one-on-one and you explain to them that that's not acceptable. And then you fire them. Like you are their manager. You can fire them. And then you rebuild your team with people that you trust and that you know. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually completely agree with you. I think that's where kind of I was going with like the expectations. If people don't meet your expectations and this continues to happen. Then you have a reason to fire them. Then you let them go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I think, you know, it might take like, it might take oh, one wow. or two people to, 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 you know, be the, the examples for the rest of them. But I think once people start getting let go, uh, or I guess, you know, to be specific, fired, I mean, I think people will sort of start to fall in line. And um, I, I, I think that as a new manager, you don't necessarily want to start firing people. No. The other thing is, yeah, it's uncomfortable. The, yeah. The other thing is, you know, if, if people already don't trust you or believe in you or think that you're right for this position and you start firing their friends, you're going to have all sorts of issues. But I think that's how you show that, you know, if people aren't meeting your expectations, things need to change. Yeah. The one thing I will say, and we haven't really talked about it much, is that if you were to inherit this team, uh, especially from 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 within, you know, you've been on the team, 
one of the things you can start with is you can sort of bring everyone together and be like, hey, what do you guys think was working? What do you guys think didn't work? Uh, what can we do better? Uh, I know this is an uncomfortable situation to be in. I was previously your peer. I know that you, you know, you could even acknowledge, I know that you don't think that I should necessarily be the boss right now, but I am the boss. And what I'd like to do is sort of take, you know, some of your, the frustrations that you've had and, and help support you in this role and, and make this team better than it has been in the past. Right. I mean, that's why I say all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's an opportunity there is my point. I think we should end it. Okay. I think uh, yeah. I, I'm, Thank you guys for, for both. Uh, yeah, thanks, Emily. Thank thanks you, for Emily, for joining the, us. The podcast. Thanks yeah. for having me. This, this was really fun. fun. I'll come to everything. Yeah, you please do. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're going to take you up on that offer. Frequent, future frequent um, guests. <laughs> <laughs>